0: God's good. Let's lift one hand to heaven, just give God a wave offering. Just tell him how much he means to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just thank you today, God, you're so good to us. Hallelujah, you're so good, Lord. Hallelujah, you're so good. You're so good to us, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you for being faithful to us, Lord. Hallelujah, praise God. Isn't God good? He's a good God. Turn to your neighbor and tell God's good. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you may be seated when you get done telling your neighbor. Praise God. <clears throat> well, we got a big Sunday, big Sunday today. We got a lot of activities going on. We have a baptismal. We have a, here's our baptismal tank. Thank you, worship team. Did great. Uh, we also have a fellowship dinner. We got lots of food, so hope that you'll stay. We have a, uh, but right now we have a baby dedication. It's, so if they would please come, the bakers, they would come up and bring Nolan. Is it Nolan, right? Yeah, and this is, uh, is it Shem or Seth? Shem. Huh? Shem. I don't know. I get get those. I get a name in my head. I I don't know what happens. I can't get it straight. Natalie. And uh, thank God for this wonderful couple. Natalie just started uh, with the worship team and um, Shem. (laughs) almost said Seth again. Golly, what a deal. Um, But you're a policeman, right? So thank God for him, huh? Yeah, we believe in policemen. Yeah. Praise God. <clears throat> I know that's, that's one of two jobs I wouldn't want to have. The other one is a school teacher. <laughs> Even though we need school teachers, don't misunderstand me. We need great Christian, but they're, they have to kind of go out as a missionary, really. But if you're a schoolteacher, don't take that wrong, okay? We, we believe in you. We love you. Go get them, guys. But I can't redeem that statement. But, anyways, but this is uh, which one are we doing here? This one? Nolan. What a cute kid. Yeah, they're both cute. Yeah. Thank you for helping me. Um, <clears throat> so, if I'm going to have my wife come up, and I'm going to have uh, Jeremy come up. But before I do, um, I always ask um, three questions because I know you're bringing your child. and. and we don't baptize children. And, and the, the main reason, I'm not, I'm not like a, a dogmatic person about it, but I mean, if you want to, that's totally up to you. But the only reason we don't is because it's not in the Bible. That's the only reason we don't. And um, you know, I kind of approach life from the standpoint, if it's not in the scriptures, why are we doing it? And, um, and so, but when Jesus was on the earth, he did bless children. He laid his hands on them and he blessed them. And so, you know, so I'd say this, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. So what would he do right now if he was on the earth? He would take kids up in his hands and he would bless them because he's the same. And so that's why we do it. And we believe that when we speak a blessing over a child, that those words stay with that child and direct, direct his path. And so this is little Nolan here. So I always ask the parents to make three questions. And sometimes I forget the questions. But, <laughs> but I'm going to believe God that I'll remember the questions. Will you guys commit to raise this child up in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Do. You do. Sounds like you're getting married again. <laughs> Will you set before him a, an example of godly living? Yes. Will you lead him to Christ at an early age? All right, my wife, you got a scripture to read? I asked Jeremy if he'd read a couple of scriptures.
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to read the scripture that uh, Pastor Steve referred to. It's Mark 10, starting in verse 13, and it says One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. But listen to what Jesus said. But Jesus saw what was happening, he was very dis- displeased with his disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. Then he took the children into his arms and placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. So that's what we're going to do this morning with Nolan. And um, my wife and I were just praying for this morning, and we were just thinking how you know, for anybody who has kids, I don't know if you've ever had the thought, like, why would God give humans kids? Like, because <laughs> oftentimes I feel so incapable and you know make mistakes. But He has; He's given us gifts, and those gifts are children. And uh, we just thought, yeah, He's He's loaning us His kids, and we get the privilege of co-laboring with Him to raise these kids. And thankfully, they're very uh, resilient. So when we make mistakes, like, well, I'm going to do my best next time. And, and they're very resilient. And, but God entrusts them to us, and so we get the privilege of co-laboring with him to raise our children. So it's an amazing thing. So we're going to bless Nolan this morning, and, uh, and he's going to be a, an earth shaker. Amen. Wherever he finds himself and whatever he does, it's going to be awesome. So um, do you
0: think he'll go to
1: church? Let's
0: all stand together. and Just put your hands out toward Nolan here. Hallelujah. What a cute little guy. Lord, let's just pray together. Lord, we just thank you for this young man right now, Lord. This, this child, God, that you have blessed this family with. And Lord, when you were on the earth, you laid your hands on children and you blessed them. We bless Nolan right now. We dedicate him to you, Lord. We, we ask now that your hand would come upon this child. That this child would be mighty in the earth that you'd protect this child, Lord, that you'd cause him to be stalwart spiritually, that he'd be a giant, Lord, in your kingdom, one that declares your word, hallelujah, to his generation. We thank you, Lord, that he will be alert mentally, Lord, that you'll cause him to grasp things at a young age, Lord, and that he'll be well and safe physically, Lord, that you'll watch over him. Thank you for the angel of the Lord that encamps around about him, keeps him safe from all harm and danger. And Lord, right now, we just declare over his life that he will be a part of the generation of the righteous that you are raising up in the last days, that will declare your word and and make your fame known in the earth. Hallelujah. We thank you for that, Lord. And we just thank you for giving the parents wisdom in raising this child and causing them to train him up in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not reap from it. Thank you for this incredible gift, Lord. Thank you that you give good gifts. In Jesus' name, we pray and declare it now. Everybody that agrees, say, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.
2: Praise God, the potential. Um, it's my privilege to receive God's tithes in our offerings this morning. And um, so we got some ushers here. If you're giving cash and you want like a tax receipt, just lift up your hand. They'll give you an envelope. You're making out checks, why, it's, it's Destiny Church, and there's an address up on the screen for you folks that are watching on television or online, uh, so you can mail checks to that address, or it's real convenient, you can text to give also. So, um, so all those ways to give, well, you know, um, in the 35th Psalm, why God says that he delights in the prosperity of his sons and daughters, you know, you are a son and a daughter of God. And every time you get more money, that makes God really happy because he wants the very best for his sons and daughters. And, and that's why he provides these times uh, like offering times to give because um, we're sowing seed. You know, the way that the money works in the kingdom of God is you sow seed and then you get a harvest. And so, and so this morning, um, as you sow your seed, I, I'm going to pray over that seed, but I would like you to name your harvest. And, and see, once you do that, why... Um, why well, then, of course, it's up to each one of us to keep that seed watered with the word of God and to kill weeds by killing worry. But then, and stretch our expectation, our desire for a great harvest. So let's, uh, let's take your seed in hand right now and we'll pray over it. Man, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Father God. You are our God. We're in covenant with you. You're our Father. We are your sons and daughters. And we're sowing this seed right now expecting a great harvest. You name your harvest right now. And so, man, for your sons and daughters right here, God, I just, I, I just declare promotion, uh, new businesses, new jobs, better jobs, new houses, new vehicles, the very best, new carefree lifestyles in Jesus' name. Amen. We receive that now in Jesus' name. Well, ushers, you can serve the people here. I got a few announcements, man, it's a great day, we're going to have a picnic today. And we got we got people grilling hamburgers and hot dogs right now, and also horses from the White Horse Ranch are here. Uh, um, kids or not kids even, if you want if you want a horse ride, well, that'll be available. Another special thing, why Pastor Steve mentioned, we're doing the water baptism this morning. And, uh, and then just as always, I want to announce, I'm going to be at the back table in the foyer when church is over. If you've got any questions about the church. Or, or if you'd like to give us your contact information so we can inform you of upcoming events or, or prayer needs or like that, why, why you can do that back there. And, you know, we're always trying to make things better. If you've got any suggestions, why, we'd love to hear them and see what we, could do, what we could do to make things better. And so that's that. But then I've been asked to pray for our nation, too. So would you stand with me as we pray right now for, for our country? Man, in Jesus' name, we just agree together. God, you are almighty, and thank you for the covenant that you have with our nation. We agree with our first president, George Washington, that you are our God, and we are your people. So right now, today, we are totally dependent on you, God. We bring everything that's going on um, affecting our nation to you, because you are our only trust. And so as we do that, why, we expect a rebirth of America, Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, you can be seated, and Pastor Steve's going to bring the word.
0: Well, God's good. It's great to have Tommy Slack here. Wow. We all all prayed for you last week, and we're so glad that you're here. You're a sight for sore eyes. Not that my eyes are sore, but I don't know where that expression came from. But, anyways, God answers prayer. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Ephesians chapter 2. I titled this message Sola Gratia, which means only by grace. It's a Latin word, Sola Gratia. It's Latin for means only by grace. And what I've been talking about in the last few uh, The times I've talked because other people have been talking. Oh, I want to tell you one thing, okay? Is Kevin Burke Hartsmeyer here? He's not here. We had a golf event. Now, this is big. We had a golf event last Sunday after church. And uh, Kevin Burke Hartsmeyer got a hole in one. I've golfed for 40, 50 years. I've never got a hole in one. So that's big. And so we went and told the clubhouse, I thought at least he'd get a half a million dollars or something. You know. But anyways, so that was, that was big. So I was going to have him uh, stand in the foyer. If you're a golfer, he could lay hands on you and part the hole in one. The hole in one anointing. This is the hole in one anointing. But anyways, that was good. But I've been talking about um, uh, like foundational type things. Like last week, I talked about the, the goodness of God. And it's so important for our lives that we have a good foundation. And two weeks ago, or I can't remember how long ago it was, I talked about sola scriptura, which is only by the scripture. In other words, the Bible, and there's five five solas that are the foundation of the Protestant Reformation. There's five things that are the foundation of the Protestant Reformation, which... You know, Luther was the most famous one of the Reformation, but there were others. But he was the one that was the most famous. I'm going to talk a little bit about him today. But um, so there's five solas. The first one is sola scriptura, that the Bible alone is the final authority in all matters of life doctrine. And to, to contradict the scriptures is to contradict God. All right. And so that's how we look at it, because the word of God is God speaking to us. Every, every scripture is inspired by God. That means Old Testament and New Testament. It's all inspired by God. And, um, but it is a progressive revelation. The second one is sola f- fi- fidi, which means faith alone. That we are saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ. The third one is sola, which is I'm going to talk about today, gretia, gracia, whatever, which means grace alone. And, and that is that we are saved by... The grace of God alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. The, third, the fourth one is sola Christos, which is Christ alone. That Jesus Christ is alone is our Savior, our King. He's the only mediator between God and man. And then the last one, the number five, is sola de gloria, which is to the glory of God alone. And that is that we live for the glory of God alone. And so those are the five. Solos, those are the five foundation stones of the Reformation. And so we should know these things because they're very important. And um, so I want to talk about grace because it's such an important subject. And um, we, we would all understand this, that grace is unmerited favor or undeserving favor. In other words, God favors you. God favors you not because you are good, but because God is good. That's a really powerful statement. God favors you, not because you are good, but because God is good. And it is by faith that we receive this grace and are saved. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, a very famous or popular verse. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. In other words, the, the grace comes into our lives by faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Everybody say the word gift. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so this grace is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. So when you think about it in those terms, if you add any kind of works to it, it stops being, it stops being a gift, and it stops being grace. So it's sort of like this. If I, if I gave you a present, I said, here's a gift. But then I said, I want $20. How many can see that that would not be a gift any longer? Now I'm, I'm receiving payment for something that I'm giving to you. But this is a gift. Grace is a gift. It says it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And this is an, an, not an isolated verse. This is not like, well, Steve dug this one out from, the, you know, from some crevice in the word of God. This is a common theme through scripture that we are saved by grace and that that grace comes to our lives by faith and that it's not of ourselves and it's not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so Paul said, as soon as you, in Romans 4, Paul said, as soon as you put a payment or works with it, it stops being a gift. And so it's very important that we understand that our salvation isn't because comes to us, not because we are good, but because God is good. Now, here's what's interesting about these five these five solas of the Protestant Reformation, is that they were in direct contradiction to the church at that time. The church of that time taught things that were contrary to scriptures. They taught, you know, they taught indulgences. They taught purgatory. They taught that if you gave money, your dead relatives would get out of purgatory. You could even give money and then you could get out of purgatory. You could you know, buy your way out of purgatory ahead of time. And there was a guy that would go around. His name was, can't remember his name now, Tellus or something like that. And he was a monk that was sent out from Rome. And he had this little chant that he would say, as the coins in the coffers does ring, the souls from purgatory does spring. And so that was his little chant. And so he would go from town to town, city to city. And uh, we didn't like that statement. Go from city to city and try to and, and, and raise money because they were building buildings and collecting artwork in Rome and so they were doing all this and they did it as a ways of, of raising money and so Luther he got upset about it and uh, because Luther was a scholar of the of the Bible he studied the Bible you know tirelessly and he goes what they're teaching is not in the Bible and so he 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 put this 95 thesis I mean, how many you ever heard of the 95 Thesis? Wittenberg uh, Chapel. And he put it there in Latin. He didn't put it there in the common German language. He put it there in Latin. He wasn't trying to start a reformation. What he was trying to do was he was trying to open a discussion to reform the church because he thought the church in Rome didn't understand what this Telus guy was doing. So he thought if he could get a, a discussion going, maybe they could reform the church and get back on track. Well, what happened was, Tellus had been set out, sent out from the church, and he was doing the bidding of the church. And so, what so what happened was, you know, he put these 95 theses. And the the thing about it was, the printing press had just been invented. And so, just like remember when email first came out, and some of these modern technology things, you know, people had to learn that these things are deadly. You know, I mean, uh, what what I don't understand all this Snapchat. I, I don't you know, Twitter, uh, flitter, quitter, whatever, you know, I don't understand a lot of it, but, but you have to, you gotta learn it because it can be, it can be problematic. How many know that's true? Because you put it out there, it's out there forever. Well, they didn't understand printing presses. And so what happened was he put, he didn't have any intention of spreading these 95 thesis, which was his, his 95 points against indulgences. He didn't, have any cha- he didn't have any plans of spreading that around, but somebody translated into Germany, they brought it to a printing press and they printed it off and they scattered it all over Germany. And so the commoner who couldn't understand you know, the scriptures because they weren't in his language, all of a sudden read these 95 thesis and they started getting a revolt going. And so all of a sudden they begin to pick up momentum and he got, he, Luther got put on trial at, the, at the, um, the court of, get this, Worms. That was what it was called, Diocese of Worms. I think it was, it's German, so I think it was Worms or something like that. But anyways, and he was found guilty. He was found guilty of heresy. Now, what he said was, show me in the Bible where what, I say, what I'm saying is wrong. Show me in the Bible where it's wrong. And they said, it's, we're, not, we're not saying that it's, what you're saying is not in the Bible, but you're contradicting, you're contradicting what the Pope has said, and therefore you're guilty. And so his followers kidnapped him, put him hid him away for a year. And so what happened was almost haphazardly, and I hate to say that word, because I think God was behind it, but the Reformation began to sweep throughout Europe and people started to uh, experience God in their lives. And so Eventually, Luther made these five points of, of only uh, uh, by grace alone, that were saved by grace alone. And so the church at that time, like I said, had, had the authority of the, of the scriptures. They believed the authority of the scriptures. They believed the authority of the pope. And they believed the authority of tradition. So they were all three things on the same level. And Luther said, No, no, wait a second here. Everyone bows to the scripture. That's, that was his point. And so, and here, here's, here's the thing about this. You know, like, there's a lot of things you can believe at, at different, and it won't matter that much. Like, you know, I, was, I, I talk about the end times a little bit, because I think we got this end time thing all messed up. That's my personal opinion. And because I got burned. You know, I, I've been saved. How long have I been saved? I've been saved for a long time. I've been saved for 50 years. That's a long time. I know I don't look that old, but I've been saved for 50 years. Amen. So when I first got saved, I read The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. He said that we won't be here past 1981. We are still here. <laughs> now, what's so interesting about that, and I'll, I'll look at it. We have, my wife and I have five kids. So we didn't have our first kid until I was sure he was wrong. Because I didn't want to bring kids into this world. So our first kid was born in 1983. So we had to make sure 1981 went past. We got into 1982. Then we started talking about should we have kids. So we had our first kid in 1983. Because I thought well if he's right. I don't want to bring kids into this world. And what are we doing having kids anyways. I mean the Antichrist has taken over. The world's going to go to hell in a handbasket. What do I want to you know, and so obviously he was wrong. And there have been a lot of other people since then. I won't get on this. Sub- That's not my subject. But what I'm trying to say is that you, if you listen to people talk about the end times, there are so many <laughs> viewpoints. It doesn't really matter in eternity what you, I mean, it does matter a little bit. But I mean, for your eternal salvation, it doesn't matter what you believe about the end times. But what I'm talking about here, what I'm talking about here matters. What I'm talking about here matters, matters seriously. This is not like a light thing. This is a serious thing. It's very important what you believe about salvation, because what happens is, what happens here is it's almost like a pill. let's say you know you went to the doctor and the doctor gave you a pill and, and let's say that pill was watered down or that pill was a what do they call those things placebo? placebo. How many know what a placebo is? So it's, it's a fake pill. it's a no pill, but it's supposed to, it's supposed to give you a mental you're, you're doing something you're supposed to I don't know why they do that, but anyway, it's a placebo but but just think, if you, if you got a fake pill, or if you got a, a watered down pill, the pill would have no effect on your disease, would it? You know, the, the gospel is God's pill. But you can't water it down, and you can't, you can't distort it. If you water it down, you distort it, it loses its impact in your life. I'm talking about salvation, things that deal with salvation. If you put works with, with grace, if you put works with grace, what happens is that it loses its impact in a person's life. Amen? Amen? Amen. So there's a lot of different truths, but this is one truth you cannot, you cannot do away with. Because if you say that salvation is based on works, that is not just kind of false, that is totally false. That's not just kind of false, that is totally false. And so there are certain Bible truths that you can debate about, you can argue about, but you can't get this wrong. This has to be clear, it has to be concise. It has to be exact. And so the, 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 gospel, the gospel is a message. The gospel is not a church, it's not a preacher. The church is supposed to proclaim the gospel message. A preacher is supposed to proclaim the gospel message but the Gospel is a message. It's, it's actually, it means, to be, it means good news. And it's the only way, hearing the good news, now listen to this, this is another, this is a radical point. But the only way to be saved is by believing the Gospel. The only way to be saved is by believing the Gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, the Apostle Paul said, For since in the wisdom of God... The world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So here's the deal, is that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you hear the gospel message, the Holy Spirit brings that word Brings that truth to your heart, brings that shows you your need of salvation, and shows you that there's a Savior. You know, I love this one song that we sing. I, lo- I love this song. It says, "Hear, hear the lyrics: How great the chasm that lay between us! How high the mountain I could not climb!" See, that's describing where you're at and where God's at. There's a chasm, unbelievable chasm. There's a mountain that you of sin. And condemnation that you can't climb. You can't get past it. You can't get over it. There's no way that you can get there by your your works. There's no way whatsoever. The Bible said that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in God's eyes. There's no way you're going to get there. If Jesus, if God wouldn't have bridged that chasm, there is no way we would have a relationship with God. And so it came out of his grace. Amen. Amen. Listen to another line to this song. It goes, in desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness, your grace tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. See, he he bridged that chasm between us. See, Paul, you know, Paul was a pretty direct guy. And when he talked about the gospel, he got, he got ugly. If you read uh, Galatians, not, not about everything, but because some things he would say, you know, I, I give you my advice, I give you this. He was, he was not real direct, but boy, when it came to this gospel, whoa, he got, he got ugly. In fact, one place he said, let him be a cur-. Well, let's read it. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Listen to this. He's talking about. Because Paul started this church and then he left there and then Judaizers came in and introduced the law and circumcision into the, you know, kind of watered it down. Did, you know, you know, kind of cut it with the law and legalism. And so Paul said this, I marvel, this is him talking, verse six, that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So notice, he said, he called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel. The gospel is the grace of Christ, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you, and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be a. Cur- he said, let him be accursed. He didn't say let their message be accursed. He said let them be accursed. One translation says, let him go to hell. That's pretty rough. And then you think, well, maybe he was just having a bad moment, you know, like a senior moment or something. You know, he's just like, oh. <clears throat> they pervert the gospel. Let him go to hell, you know. <clears throat> so you think maybe he's just having a senior moment. But just look, keep reading. As we have said before, so now, now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, Then what you have received, let him be accursed. He doubles down on it. He said this is serious because people's souls hang in the balance if they hear the wrong thing. People's souls hang in the balance if they hear the wrong thing. If you mix the gospel with other things, it waters it down. It loses its impact. Amen. That's good preaching. And so here's the deal. We are saved by grace alone. It's received by faith alone. It releases the power of Christ alone, whereby we are saved and bring glory to God alone. Amen. So here's the thing, you know, so what are, where do works come to play in this? I mean, are, do we believe in good works? Do we believe in good works? Yes. yes, we believe in good works. The Bible says that we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But notice he didn't say that we were created in Christ Jesus by good works. Right? And and that's huge. That's a big difference. I'm created in Christ Jesus for good works. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Let's read that verse. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Notice the next word. Everybody say "for." for. For good works. Not by good works, but for good works that God prearranged, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what, what happens if we don't do any good works? If we don't do any good works, does that mean we're no longer created in Christ Jesus? No, we're still created in Christ Jesus. It's just that we're not doing what God called us to do. We're not fulfilling our purpose. How many can see what I'm saying? So we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, not by good works. And so there's another verse that says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work it out. In other words, you already have it. See, there's a big difference between living for approval or living from approval. Living for approval is works. I'm trying to gain God's approval. That's works. There's a big difference between living for approval or living from approval. In other words, I have his approval. How do you have his approval? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. I've received the gift. Everybody say the gift. I've received the gift of eternal life, the gift of grace. I've received the gift by faith. So now I have God's approval. When God looks at me, you know, I tell this story sometimes. You know, years ago, I, there was a guy that used to fly for Pan Am. Are you guys OK? Everybody's looking at me like I'm, I'm saying something wrong here. Everything's good, right? Were you guys still stuck on the end time thing? <laughs> wife, why, I'm going to burn my hell, Lindsey book. I thought he was right. <clears throat> but there's this guy who used to fly for um, Pan Am and he would come to church once in a while and his, his wife came to church and, and, and he'd come once in a while and, and she said, well, he's not saved. He's got a lot of questions. And so I went up to him after church one Sunday. I said, hey, you know, because I fly and and so, I, you know, I thought we'd have, we have a bond there. And so, of course, he flies jets. I mean, I fly, you know, but anyway, so I, um, so I just kind of started talking to him. And he goes, he said, um, well, he go, I said, you know, I heard you had some questions. He goes, yeah. He goes, I don't understand God. Uh, you know, I don't understand some stories in the Bible. And I go, okay. Like what? I mean, I thought, I'm the Bible answer, man. I know everything in the Bible. You know, that's what you think, you know. Well, you, you learn, the more you learn, the more you learn you don't know. You know that's. And so he said, he said, like the story of Jacob and Esau. He goes, now figure that story out for me. This is what he said. I mean, here, here Jacob comes in there. He's got his brother's coat on. He puts, he puts uh, sheepskin on his arms and on the back of his neck. He walks in there. His dad says, are you Esau? He goes, yep. What a liar. Right? And then the dad, because the dad's blind, Isaac is blind, can't see who it is. And so he reaches up, and he smells him. He smells like Esau because he had Esau's clothes on. But he goes, he talks like Jacob. He goes, are you sure you're Esau? Yeah, I'm Esau. And so... Isaac roars up, roars back, however you want to say it, and starts blessing him. Gives him the blessing of the firstborn. He's the secondborn. And then then the Bible says he's blessed. He goes, figure that out. And so I'm standing there going, that's against everything I believe. You're a liar, you're a cheat, you're a schemer, you're no good, low-life scumbag, you know. And I'm going, I I wanted to say something profound, but I couldn't think of anything profound. So I said, you know what? I don't know what that means. And so all week I'm going, I read the story. I go, God, read the story. God, read the story. God, what's up with this? Come on. All week long I've read the story and thought about You know what God finally said to me? Listen to this. God said, you are Jacob. I am he goes yeah that's a picture of the go- how many know the gospel is unfair he goes that's a picture of the gospel you are standing Jacob was standing in his elder brother's place with his elder brother's clothes in his elder brother's position and he got what he didn't deserve and he says you are standing in the robes of Jesus Christ you didn't earn those robes. He earned them. He took your sin. You took his righteousness. You exchanged places. The great exchange took place. And now you're accepted. He was rejected so you could be accepted. Now you're, he was in bondage so you could be free. He became sin so you could become righteous. You exchanged places with your brother. That, that person was Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin. For us that we who knew no righteousness could become the righteousness of God in him. And it was prophesied in Isaiah where Isaiah said, he said, their righteousness will be of me, saith God. In other words, I'm going to be their righteousness. So when you got saved, when you accepted Christ, Christ came over and put a robe of righteousness on you. And you, when you approach God, God goes, let me see here. Feels like Jesus. Sounds like Steve. Goes over there, smells. Smells like Jesus. And then God rears back and starts blessing. And that's why Paul said we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because I'm standing in Christ's stead. I'm, I'm in Jesus. I'm in Christ and he's in me. Isn't that good news? Yeah. So I don't know how I got off on that. But anyways. That's a good point, though. I don't know how I got off, I kind of ruined my notes. But you know what's interesting about this is that I studied the story, the life of Martin Luther, it's really interesting. And I gotta hurry here. Although time matters not. I've been reading some of these Elizabethan English, so now I'm starting to talk, time matters not. See, it was interesting that What I read about Luther was that before he received the revelation of grace, he was the most tormented soul on planet Earth. And he was tormented about his sinful state. He despaired of life. He stated that he hated the God of righteousness, even though he was a monk living in a monastery. This is is a direct quote from one of his writings. He says, though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God, with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that he was placated by my satisfaction. I don't know what that means. I did, I did not love him. In fact, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. And I secretly, blasphemously murmured against, greatly against him. I was angry with God. Isn't that sad? At that time, it's, he's, the church's avenue to get people released from guilt and sin was through the confessional. And so he's living in a monastery. How much trouble can you get in a monastery? It's not like there's strip joints all over. I mean, this is a (laughs) monastery for Pete's sakes. And so most of the monks would go to the confessional and they would, maybe five minutes, they'd be in there and say, well, I took an extra piece of bread or something, you know. So then they have to do penance, you know, three Hail Marys, a couple Our Fathers, whatever. You know, they have to do stuff like that. But here's what's funny about Luther. His average time every day, not once a week, every day in the confessional was three hours. One time he was in there six hours. And the guy that's listening to his confession is getting wore out. And he's gone, he's gone over his sins over and over. And, and he was even saying, not just even his sins, but the ones that he was thinking about, he might, he might have committed. He had the thought one time that maybe, you know, he said he prayed one time two hours. And he, 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 when he got done, he had this twinge of pride that he felt pretty good about himself for having prayed for two hours. So he's in there and he's going, I've got to confess pride. I mean, I think I've think I, I, I committed the sin of pride. And He'd go on and on for hours. But the point was that Luther was so tormented. He was the most tormented soul on earth. Luther, it's kind of funny, what's so funny about it is that he, he would meditate on verses that would add to his misery. Like Romans chapter 1 verse 18, look at this verse. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness the men who suppress the truth and righteousness, and unrighteousness. He goes, that's got to be me. That surely is me. The wrath of God is against me because of that, that thought of pride I had. And he would meditate on that. What happened to Luther? One day he was going to to this verse. He was going to this verse to meditate on it again. And he happened to read the verses before this, which he had done at other times. But this time when he read it, something happened. Look at the verses before that. Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. Paul, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The Jew first. Let me drink. And also to the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just. Shall what? Live by faith. What happened to Luther. Here's what he said in his own words. At last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed, as it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. There I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by a gift of God, namely by faith. And this is the meaning The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the righteousness with which a merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. This is kind of all his saying. Here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through an open gate. He had all, I mean, if you could understand, can you imagine listening to a guy for six hours go over every little teeny sin. And all of a sudden, one day as he's meditating on this, it's like the, the lights came on and something broke through. And that chism, he, he began to see that it wasn't what I do because that's what the church taught. It's what I do. It wasn't what I do. It's what he did. It's not how good I am. It's how good he is. It's not what I do to be made right. It's what he's, he's done for me. Amen. Luther went on to say that he began to love God and love God's righteousness with a love so great it captured his soul. Luther brought singing back into the church. Before Luther, there was no singing in the church. One of his his enemies said, he is filling Europe with his doctrine through songs. Everyone is singing their way into his theology. Aren't you glad he did? They did? You know, it's interesting about this. I've heard this several times, that Luther ushered the human race into a new era of technology and invention. Creativity, progress, all can go back to the time of Luther. Because oppressed people, listen to this. I wrote this down. I made this up. This is straight off. This is so hot, my notes are on fire. Oppressed people, and they were, people lived under religious oppression. Oppressed people invent nothing. Oppressed people invent nothing. Oppressed people create nothing. Oppressed people are not free to think for themselves. Oppressed people are not free to imagine. Oppressed people don't dream. And they say, they 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 tie this to Luther, they say, The whole modern world, with all of its inventions and all of its progress, you can trace it all back to this little stubby, uh, barrel thing, barrel chested Catholic monk who nailed 95 theses to the wall and said, The just shall live by faith. By grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. And when he did that, it reverberated throughout the whole world. Because people begin to break free from their bondage and they begin to dream and they begin to think and they begin to invent and they begin to to, uh, hope and they begin to uh, reach out and begin to do new things. And even if they're not a Christian, because they live in an environment, you don't have to be a Christian to be affected by the environment of the kingdom. But if you live in the environment of the kingdom, it, it, it does something to your thinking. Free people are the. It's freedom is dangerous. It's better just to keep everybody under lock and you know keep everybody intimidated, keep them in bondage because you can control them that way. Because once they break free, they might do crazy things. (laughs) But that's the price of freedom, and freedom is God's gift to us. You know, I tell this story. I got a bunch of more, but I think I'm going to tell you this story then. Because God wants you to be free. You know, people that, if you, when I say that, I don't, mean, I don't mean free to sin. Because if you sin, you're not free. The, the Bible says that he that practices sin is a slave. If you sin, you're not free. But, but, but God wants you to be free. God wants you to dream. God wants you to think big. God wants you to plan for the future. God wants you to have dreams and visions. God wants you to break out of the box he, he wants you to tear the box up and throw it away and just go for it. I remember, you know, in the, in the 90s was the first time I went to Ukraine, went to Russia. Actually went to Russia first, then went to Ukraine. And so the missionary I was with, um, we would pass out tracts. You know, we, we traveled from city to city by train. We'd hold crusades. I mean, I call them crusades. They're evangelistic meetings. We'd have hundreds of people in each, each city, these evangelistic services. And, um, but, you know, we would sometimes go to a train station. We have to wait for a connecting train. So the missionary, he had bought a bunch of gospel tracks, thousands of them. And so what we would do is we'd pass out gospel tracks in the train stations. And I was dressed. I mean, I was dressed with jeans and a T-shirt. And I, I didn't look like anybody special. And so I would just, you know, pass out tracks. I didn't say anything because I couldn't speak the language. And so I just pass out tracks as they went by, I just give them a track, give them a track. And every once in a while, somebody would say thank you in English. Say thank you. That's it. And I didn't think anything of it. Finally, the interpreter said to me, See, they can tell you're a Christian. Or you no, you're an American. They can tell you're an American. And I go. How can they tell them an America, I'm not saying anything, I'm, not, I'm just passing out tracks. And this is what the interpreter said, oh, you can spot an American anywhere. I said, what? He goes, this is what he said, this is what the interpreter said, it comes from living in a free society. And so all of a sudden I started looking at the people and it, I was struck with how depressed they were and how downtrodden they were. And how everything in the country was gray and dull. Everything was gray and dull. There wasn't much colors there. The, only, the most colorful place is Red Square. You leave Red Square, like go three, four blocks from Red Square, it's dull, gray, and bl- drab. It's stuck back in the 1940s. Now it might have changed by now because Western money has moved in to the former Soviet Union, but that's what it was like that in the 90s when the wall first came down. So when you, when you think about this, when we experience freedom in Christ, when we experience freedom in Christ, what happens is it affects everything about us. God intended for us to live like free men, free women. Let me just give you one last verse. you take one more verse? Okay, so in Romans chapter 3, just turn there. I've been spitting all over my shirt. In Romans chapter 3, here's the other verse that Luther, I'm just giving you the pathway of Luther. Here's the other passage of scripture that Luther meditated on in those days after he had this experience with God. Romans chapter 3, verses 20 through 24, he says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. See, all the law does is it tells you that you're a sinner. Which is good if you don't know you are. But, but, it's you know, my dad told me this. He goes, I don't pay people to tell me what's wrong. Anybody can figure out what's wrong. He goes, I pay people to figure out what's, how to fix it. And just to say, well, you're a sinner and tell people that you're a sin, you, you're a sinner, and you you did this and you did that, that's just telling people that they got a problem. That's not the answer. The answer is found in the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the redemption of Christ. That's where the answer is found. So he said, No one will be justified in the sight of God by the works of the law, because through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now now, listen this is the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Notice there's a reoccurring theme. To all and on all who believe, for there's no difference. For Now, this is the verse everybody knows. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that's just kind of a side statement. The bulk of what he's saying is he's talking about because we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, that we can't save ourselves. We're all in the same condition. All of us are. That God had to provide another way for us to become justified. There's no difference. All of sinning coming short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by what? His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being justified freely by His grace. You know what it's time for us to do? It's time for us to live. It's time for us to breathe the fresh, invigorating air of freedom. It's time for us to dream again. It's time for us, because we're not trying to get God's favor. We've got God's favor. And now we're living from God's favor. Amen. We're not trying to capture something. We got it already. Now we're living from it. You know, Jesus, this is a very common statement that Jesus, before he did a miracle, he received God's approval. God, at his baptism, said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He hadn't done anything yet. But he, he didn't live for God's approval. He lived from God's approval. Isn't that good news? Let's all stand together. So by grace alone, by faith alone, for Christ alone, for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. God's good. So what we want to do here is we're going to transition here. We're going to sing a song and then we're going to have a baptism. And so if you're Wanting to be baptized, and you need to change clothes, this is, where you, this is the time you do it right now. If You gotta change clothes, this is when you do it. There's a bathroom, woman's bathroom, guy's bathroom. Change clothes, then come back in here, and we'll have you state your name. You have to talk into the microphone. Maybe I should have told you this before you agreed to be baptized. <laughs> gotta state your name. And also give a testimony, which basically means, what does Jesus mean to you? That he's your Lord, Savior. That's it. And then we'll take you, we, we believe in baptism by immersion. Because that's what Jesus was baptized. It says he, when he came up out of the water. So if you came up out of the water, you had to be in the water. And it says that John baptized in this one spot, Arian, Anion because there was much water there. If they were just sprinkling them, you don't need much water, do you? Just need a bucket, a little bit of water. But there was much water there. So we baptized by immersion because the, the Greek word baptism means it's actually not an English word. It's a Greek word. It means to immerse. That means to dip completely, cover completely, and then pull back out. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Dave and uh, my son, Sam and Lauren, are going to help us here. So what I I have you do is we're going to sing this song so you give the opportunity to get changed. The kids wanted to come in and watch. So what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you give your name, give a quick testimony. They're going to pray over you, and then... They'll help you up into the tank and go as far that way as you can with your knees so we can get you underwater. And if you're really a problem person, we'll hold you under for a while. Just <laughs> so make sure you, but basically what you're doing is you're identifying with Christ. The Bible says that we're buried with him in baptism. So you're being buried with him in baptism that like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we should walk in newness in life. So you need to believe that your old man is being buried today and that you're gonna walk in a newness of life. That's what you need to believe. So let's sing this song. If you do need to get changed, this is your opportunity to get changed. Maybe we can have the candidates come up here on this front row here. Maybe we can move some of this stuff. Just have you sit here, first two rows right here. You guys are fine. Just stay right there. But if you're going to be baptized, just come here and sit. Hi, kids. It's good to see you. Let's sing this song as they get ready, all right?